0: Good morning again. Welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here today. As we move ahead in the book of Joshua, we reach a critical moment in the nation of Israel's conquest of the promised land. And that's the moment of passing over the Jordan River. God's people stand on the cusp of the land of milk and honey, the land they had heard so much about for decades. The land that God gave their ancestors long ago. The last time the Israelites were this close to home was some 40 years earlier. But back then, the people chickened out. They lacked faith that God could overcome their enemies. And as a result, they were sent back into the wilderness. But this time will be different. Joshua is at the helm now, rather than Moses. This time around, the spy's mission was successful, thanks to an unlikely hero named Rahab, who you heard about last week. On this return to the promised land, it's the current inhabitants who will melt away before the Israelites, rather than the other way around. And all that stands in their path is just a little bit of water. So open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Feel free to follow along as we go. You can use the Bibles here if you need it. But before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this place. Uh, Lord, thank you for those who are here, familiar faces. Uh, Lord, thank you for guests who are here. I pray they feel welcome and that we are hospitable. And Lord, I pray for those who are not here, uh, that more people could be here soon uh, to worship you here on Sunday mornings. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy and your grace to your people dating back a very, very, very long time. Uh, As we see, reading the book of Joshua and reading the Old Testament, Uh, You are always, have always been, always will be uh, the God that you are. You do not change. Uh, You are a God of grace and kindness and mercy. You're a God of justice and power and holiness. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you do not change in a world where so much does. Thank you that you are solid and steady and stable. And Lord, help us trust in you. Help us learn from your word this morning uh, and see how... These stories from a long time ago with people in a faraway place uh, can be relevant to us in our own faith, in our own walk with you, in our own lives. So, Lord, help us take your word and mine it for the wisdom that we know is there. Uh, And, Lord, use it to grow us and shape us and form us in your image. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who. Lived and died and rose and ascended and one day will return. Uh, The Lord who calls us here together on Sunday morning. We love you. We ask this all in his name. Amen. Well, jumping right in, Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. Yeah, get your laughs out while you need to. And they came to the Jordan he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. That phrase, passed over, is going to happen a lot in our passage this morning. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Your Bible may have a little note saying that 2,000 cubits was roughly 3,000 feet, if you need some perspective. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Jordan River was no minor stream, ditch, or creek, it acted as a kind of landmark or even a border that divided the promised land from the wilderness. At many points, it was a deep gorge with steep and sudden slopes. It flowed downhill from about 1000 feet above sea level to 1300 feet below sea level. So you can imagine how quickly this river might move at times. On top of that, the river was more swollen than usual Around this time of year. And the Israelites sat on the banks of the Jordan for three days. As time passes, you can imagine the people getting more and more intimidated by the idea of passing over this rushing body of water. You can imagine them growing more and more curious about how exactly Joshua planned to make this happen. As we read in verse 4, they had not passed this way before. And God had not ordered them to build any boats or rafts or bridges. So people might have started wondering how this is going to work. Well, it turns out that the most essential tool for passing over the Jordan wouldn't be a boat, a raft, or a bridge. It would be the ark of Of the covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box or a chest measuring some four feet long, two and a half feet wide, and another two and a half feet deep. It was overlaid with gold and featured sculptures of two cherubim or angels on its lid. The Ark of the Covenant was a holy object. Not to be touched by sinful human hands. Thus, it was carried using long poles. Its primary contents were the stone slabs that God gave Moses, featuring the Ten Commandments on them. And when you place the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, or the temple, it was considered to be the footstool of God's throne. But at the end of the day, what made the Ark of the Covenant so special wasn't its decor. It wasn't even the objects it contained. What made the Ark of the Covenant truly sacred was its association with God's presence. And it's the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, that passes over the Jordan first. The people stand so far away. That way they can all watch as God leads them over the river and into the promised land. But We pick up in verse seven. The Lord said to Joshua. Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. That they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. That's everyone in the promised land. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. The city that is beside Zarathon, and those flowing down toward the sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, or as we know it, the Dead Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So it's all relatively straightforward, isn't it? The priests carrying the ark will place their toes in the edge of the river. And when that happens, the waters will be cut off. It simply stopped. This was no easily explainable natural phenomenon. It wasn't a stroke of luck. It wasn't good timing. It wasn't a convenient coincidence. This is clearly presented as a supernatural act of God. That's the essence of a miracle. So the waters stopped. Some 40,000 Israelites crossed on dry ground in the shadow of the city of Jericho which we'll talk about more next week. Now, if you've read the Old Testament, you may be asking, haven't I seen this somewhere before? Well, the answer is yes. In Exodus 14, with an angry Pharaoh and a massive Egyptian army breathing down their necks, God led the Israelites safely across the Red Sea on dry ground. Now, what an experience that must have been. What a sight. That's the sort of event that you would never forget, isn't it? Well, not exactly. The people did forget. Within two chapters of miraculously passing over the Red Sea, the Israelites complain against the Lord of all the earth about their lack of food. They even flirt with the idea of returning to slavery in Egypt. Right after this incredible act of deliverance, the people doubt and question God's power and goodness. How quickly they forget. But remember what we said earlier. This time will be different. Right? In fact, God makes sure of it. Chapter 4, starting in verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So God ensures that his people don't forget what happened that day at the Jordan River. Specifically, he instructs them to lay that memorial of 12 stones. The stones that come from the very place where the priests stood. And Joshua lays them in the midst of the Jordan. Some say that these twelve stones would have been visible when the waters periodically receded throughout the year. The point is that this event and the memorial left behind would serve as God's stamp of approval on Joshua's leadership. It would serve as a testimony to future generations about what happened in this place. And it would serve as an announcement to the surrounding nations of who Israel's God is and what he had done. But most of all, these 12 stones would serve to remind the Israelites themselves of God's power and God's goodness. So the people have reached a new frontier, standing in the promised land on the opposite side of the Jordan, where basically no Israelite had stood for over 400 years, outside of some spies. They set up another 12 stones in the place that they camp on the other side of the river. Yet another memorial of what occurred that day. Now, why is it so important to remember this events these stones these memorials Joshua 4 verse 24 tells us so that the, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever it's so important to remember this event because as we saw last week in the story of Rahab the fear of the Lord is the seed Of salvation. Generations later. The events of Joshua 3 and 4. Are recounted in Psalm 114. You read there. When Israel went out from Egypt. The house of Jacob. From a people of strange language. Judah became his sanctuary. Israel his dominion. The sea looked back. And fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skip like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint. Into a spring of water. It was clearly important, even generations later, that the Israelites not forget who God is and what God had done for them in the past. Ensured they were called to remember. Preacher Jeffrey Arthurs writes, In ancient Israel, continuity with the past was nurtured by a vast network of ceremony and symbol. The sacrifices of animals and grain, the abstention of leaven from bread, the landscape dotted with altars and stones of remembrance, the rhythm of the day, week, and year, broken regularly with prayers and ceremonies. All these drummed up a ceaseless cadence, That exhorted the covenant people to remember and not forget. To remember and not forget. We see the same idea at work in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Where God commands his people multiple times to not forget who he is and what he had done for them. Because once the Israelites entered the promised land, once they had more security, more prosperity, more autonomy than they had ever had before, it would be incredibly easy to forget their dependence upon God. When times were good, their memories would grow foggy. They would get distracted. They would forget who it was that got them there and how it is that he got them there. So God warns them against this sinful amnesia. He is the Lord of all the earth. God is a jealous God, Deuteronomy tells us. He's righteously jealous for that which is rightfully his. So if the Israelites or their children forgot that they belong to God and God alone, then they would be judged. In a very real sense, remembering was a matter of life and death. We Christians face the same temptation, the temptation to forget who God is and what God has done for us. C.S. Lewis once wrote, We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief in Christian doctrine nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. Do not most people simply drift away. We must remember how it is that we have passed over. From being enemies of God... To friends of God. How it is that we have passed over from condemnation to forgiveness. How it is that we have passed over from wandering in the wilderness to looking forward to rest in an eternal promised land. We must remember that this was not accomplished by our virtue, our wisdom, our hard work. This is purely by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Who Christ is and what Christ did in his life, death, and resurrection for sinners. Jesus says in John chapter 5 verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed From death to life. The Israelites were escorted safely by God's presence. The Ark of the Covenant. Into their promised land. And today believers in Jesus Christ. Are escorted safely into our promised land. By God's presence. The Holy Spirit who indwells us. This is all thanks to Jesus Christ. You know, when you really think about it, your salvation, my salvation, is just as much of a miracle as the waters of the Jordan River standing in a heap. Our sin was far more treacherous than the Jordan's steepest slope. Our rebellion was far deeper than the Jordan's swollen waters. We deserved a stronger, swifter judgment than the Jordan's downhill current. We never could have passed over or conquered our sin on our own. And even if we tried, we would have drowned. But God has led us safely over those deadly waters. And it's not thanks to a raft, a boat, bridge, or a chest covered with gold, but by a cross covered with blood. So may we never forget these basic, glorious truths. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was amazed that the Galatians could so quickly forget the most basic and glorious truths of the gospel and be seduced by something else. He was astonished that they would so quickly desert the gospel they had believed. Paul was shocked. He was scandalized how quickly God's people can forget. May we not fall into the same error. May we take heed of the Galatians' example, lest we fall ourselves. But practically speaking, how do we avoid... Forgetting who God is. Forgetting what God has done for us. Well, as we see today, tangible memorials can help us remember. Like the Israelites, 12 stones from the Jordan. We, too, need tangible reminders. We need ceremonies, symbols, practices, and traditions that we can see, hear, touch, and even taste to help us remember. Mark mentioned the Passover meal. It's perhaps the most well-known Old Testament act of remembrance. Those Israelites would essentially reenact the meal they ate the night before God led them out of Egypt. And the idea was not just to remember the event in your head, but to actively and physically participate in the memory as if you were there. Jewish rabbis were fond of saying that in every generation, a person is duty bound to regard himself as if he personally has gone forth from Egypt. The point of the Passover was to feel like you were there. To remember what God had done in the past. The most obvious memorial that we Christians practice is communion. Each week we eat bread and drink juice to remember Jesus's broken body and shed blood on the cross. We need that regular, tangible reminder. Jesus commanded us to do this in remembrance of him because he knows that we are prone to forget. But what else can we do as a church? What else can you do as an individual believer in Jesus to remind yourself of God's power and kindness? What memorials can we proactively set up now for those inevitable moments down the road when we may be tempted to forget? When God does something great for you in the present... What stones can you lay down to look back on in the future when you need comfort, when you need encouragement, when you need help to keep trusting in the Lord of all the earth? We set reminders to turn in our assignments for school on time. We set reminders to get that project done for work. We set reminders on our phones to take out The trash. I know that because Joshua gets one in just about every single elders meeting. And it interrupts our meeting. We need reminders. We need memorials. We are prone to forget to thank God. We are prone to forget to worship God. We so often remember the bad things. And we forget the good things. We remember the moments that we feel like God has let us down. And yet we so often forget the times that God comes through for us. The times that God provides for us. In ways that we might not even fully realize in the moment. So what memorials can we set up to remember the Lord our God? Remember who he is. And remember what he's done for us. The Jordan River is one of the most famous geographical landmarks in all the Bible. Appearing some 75 times across the Old Testament and the New Testament. So many important events happened near it. The patriarch Jacob wrestled with God close by. The prophets Elijah and Elisha performed much of their work around the Jordan. And of course, we have our story today. But maybe the Jordan's greatest claim to fame is that Jesus himself was baptized in it. When we think of the Jordan River, may we remember who God is and what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. May we remember Jesus's first coming, what he did for us while he was here. And his promise to come again. And may we never forget that it is by faith in him that we have passed over from death to life. May we and all the peoples of the earth know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that we may fear the Lord our God forever. May we remember and not forget. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these reminders. So much of what your word gives us as believers. So much of what we need as your people, as your followers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Is not some brand new information that we've never heard before. Not some cutting edge innovation. But so often what we need day in and day out is simply reminders of what we already know because we are so prone to forget and so Lord help us remember who you are and what you've done in those times when we're tempted to forget in those times when we're tempted to be distracted in those times that we're tempted to prioritize anything and everything else Lord help us remember you God, give us wisdom as we think about memorials that we can set up. Reminders that we can give ourselves. So that when times are hard in the future, when we're tempted to doubt, when we're tempted with frustration or despair or sorrow, Lord, help us have memorials that we can look back to, to remember who you are. Remember what you've done. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the memorial of communion that we have every single week to look back and do this in remembrance of you. Thank you for the bread and the juice. Thank you for your body and your blood. Thank you that because of who you are and because of what you've done, we have passed over from death to life. We have passed over sin and condemnation and judgment, which is far more dangerous than any body of water. That you have forgiven us, that you have saved us, that you have delivered us, and that we have a promised land to look forward to. Thank you, Lord, that this all comes back to your son, Jesus Christ. We love you. We ask this all in his name. Amen.